Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. This is it, part six of our legacy series. I have had so much fun diving into this series, looking at what the Bible says, and here's the big walk away, is that when you look at Scripture, you just get this idea that God is all about legacy. He is all about you living a life that lives beyond you. Like you making not just a little difference, but an eternal difference and trying to get our minds so dialed into the idea that, you know what, we can live a life that has a ripple effect into eternity. But how do we do that? What is it about our lives that, that we need to change? How, what is it about our mind and our thinking that we need to change so that we can make eternal differences in the lives of people in the world around us? And so the, the whole thing is to get you to live a life of legacy. But on this final week, I, I just felt compactly had a different message. And I was like, nah, that's not it. It's, it there's something more that we need to tap into. And, and it's this big idea of not just an individual legacy. I, I think as an American we, we celebrate the individual. We have this really big kind of focus. When you think about like our celebrities and our stars and our heroes and people that we admire and how we, we have a big deal on like the individual accomplishments of people. And the reality is though, that if you look at the people that we would deem great, successful, rich, prosperous, accomplished, whatever it is, yeah, many times we can tag that accomplishment to an individual's name, but if you actually studied the story, if you looked into what they said, what you would find is, is that even they have a team around them, they have a group of people around them, they did not achieve any of that a success completely on their own. Albert Einstein even has this great quote. We think of him as one of the most brilliant minds of the last you know, few hundred years and one of the most incredible thinkers. And he has this quote about how like, I just recognize that all of my life is built on the men and women before me and the men and women around me. And I didn't accomplish anything completely on my own. Or if you were in Texas, what you would say is this, is if you ever see a turtle on top of a fence post, you know that he didn't get there by himself. And today what I want to talk to you about this is this idea of a team legacy because a team legacy has always like this greater impact, this broader scope and span than any individual legacy. That there's something about teamwork that makes the dream work. Something about the people around you and how God and what you're going to see again is that God wants to link you up with other people to accomplish a great legacy. Watch this. As a matter of fact, in Genesis, I want you to go there with me. In Genesis chapter 11, there's a story that I think is probably the greatest teamwork story in all of the Bible. And it's just fascinating. So Genesis chapter 11, if you have your Bibles there, um, or you can, if not, you can read along on the screen. There's a story about a group of people that's so connected to one another, connected to a vision and a cause and a purpose. And God looked at what they did and was like, wow, you guys are pretty awesome. Kinda. Check this out. Greatest story of teamwork in all of the scripture. Genesis chapter 11. Here we go. The Bible says now the whole earth had one language, one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they dwelt there. And so they said to one another, come let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone, they had asphalt for mortar, and they said, come let us build ourselves a city and a tower 
whose top is in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. Now, this is commonly referred to as the story of the Tower of Babel. Because basically that's just, that's what it was. So they had this, they had this idea that they were going to find a place and they traveled east and they found like, okay, this is it. This is Mecca. This is perfect. This is where we want to be. This is Eden. And we're going to build a tower whose tops is in the heavens. Now, when you're reading the book of Genesis, there's a lot of unique little things going on and a lot of things that are comparison and argument to like the ancient religions that started at that time. And what he was playing on was, is that basically this is idolatry. What he's saying is, is like for the people to go and build a tower whose tops is in the heavens, that was a phrase that was pulled from some other ancient religious documents. That was their way of building a big, huge tower or temple of idolatry. That's why it was called whose tops was in the heavens. So like when you read the stories of like Nebuchadnezzar, they built in the city of Babylon. This was called a, 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 a ziggurat. And basically, it was this big, huge temple of idolatrous worship. And in, in all the Babylonian major cities, they would have like these big, huge temples at the center of the city. And then everybody would come and worship and do all these weird pagan, idolatrous, sometimes evil and wicked, awful things. And that's what he is talking about here. It's just this kind of idolatrous idea. And so they were doing the wrong thing. Like God didn't want them. He wanted them to acknowledge the one true God. Instead, they were kind of doing their own thing. Now... Watch what God says about them. It says, But the Lord came down to the city and to the tower, which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language. And this is what they... Do you ever see that with your kids? You're like, I do this, I do this, and this is what you do. <laughs> this is exactly how God feels right now. It's like I gave you life and freedom and the earth and ideas, and creativity, and ingenuity, and you're building an idolatrous temple. Thanks. Thanks a lot. So, listen to what he says, though. This is what they begin to do. Now, nothing, everybody say nothing. Nothing that they purpose to do will be withheld from them. So, God says, well, let us go down, and we'll confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech, and so the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth, and they ceased building the city, or at least for a time. This is the story of the Tower of Babel, and what I want you to see is this, is that God recognized how, like, yeah, y'all are doing the wrong thing, but y'all have figured out some incredible principles. Y'all are an incredible team. Y'all have so dialed in some things. And God, and, and, and for whatever reason, he used the writer of the book of Genesis and inspired him to say, hey, you need to capture this moment. This moment is big, and this is a teaching moment. Think about why they would capture it. It's a teaching moment. And I want to point out a, a couple of huge things about this story that God, I, I really think this, put it this way, the Tower of Babel gives us a blueprint for successful teams. That's not even what I said, that's what God said. Because didn't God say that nothing that they purpose to do will be withheld from them? And unless I come down there myself and stop them, these guys have got it figured out. And so I just want to share with you this idea, like if you want to create a legacy, because you got to think the Tower of Babel made it into the Bible, that alone is a legacy. God looked at what they were doing and said, they're not going to get stopped by anything. They are so focused, so unified, so dialed in, nothing. They're going to build a great legacy. It's just going to be a bad, great legacy, 
right? And again, they were doing the wrong thing. Have you ever, have you ever done the wrong thing and been good at it? Yeah. Some of you are like, man, I was so great at lying or so great at doing that. I, I, know, I know other people that like have all kinds. Like I told you a few weeks ago, like I was cheating and then figured out how to be a good student. Because, you know, I, I, knew, I knew a guy just recently was giving me this testimony. And his testimony was is about being a drug dealer before he came to Jesus. He learned financial management. <laughs> so, I mean, like. God has the ability to redeem good things out of bad things, even when we're dumb and foolish. And so that's what he's doing in this story. He's trying to say, I want to redeem some things out of this story because they figured out stuff that Christians blow and mess up all the time. And if Christians would act more like pagans, at least in this sense, they would be way more successful. And I'll prove it to you in just a minute. So three big principles I want to talk about from this story that gives this incredible picture of teamwork. The first principle that I want you to see is this. It's the principle of same language. Everybody say same language. It is so important for any team, whether this is a corporate team, a sports team, a church team, I don't care, a a, a marriage team, a family team, there is something powerful about being on the same language. And I'm not talking about speaking English or speaking your, you know, that's not what I'm talking because I mean, no, that's important. If you've ever been to a foreign country, you know just speaking the same language because they don't have the same standards on milk and water that we do. And then when you start drinking stuff and then you got to find a bathroom fast, you better know donde es el baño or you're in trouble. So there's certain like, that's, that's obvious. Everybody should know some basic words for wherever you go in life, but, but I'm talking about deeper than that. How many of you know like language is deep? Language has nuance to it. Like, guys, I'll prove it to you. Like, like this happens all the time in my, in my house. Me and my wife um, don't always speak the same language, right? She speaks woman, and that's something different <laughs> than speaking man. Because this is so true, guys. You know what I'm talking about. Like, your, your wife We'll be like, hey, we need to get the girls to such and such. So I need you to get them ready so that we're ready to go when I get home. And what that means to me is, is make sure they have clothing on their body. That's what I think. Like you said, get them ready. I mean, they're ready. They have clothing on their body. What that meant to her was very different. What that meant was, is I want you to have a matching outfit with proper shoes and, 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 and complimenting accessories. And I want you to brush their hair. And I want you to make sure that you wash their face because they have chocolatey mouth. Or, or I want you to brush their teeth and I want you to make sure that they are cute and presentable. I mean, no, that just, that just, that's not what I thought. And then she gets home and she sees a kid with messy hair and messy face with some clothing on, and she gets mad at me. Can I get a what what out there, dudes? I mean, come on. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You say the same, like, ladies, y'all are just as bad on the other end. So, so like, this is, this is, so is what will happen, too. So, guys, you'll call her. Be like, all right, don't forget. we got to be at the thing at 7. So, like, you know, make sure you, you get ready in time. And she says something like, okay, I'm just going to take a quick shower. Now, if you told me, Todd, take a quick shower, that means take off my clothes, throw them in a direction. 
And if, there's a, and if there's a hole in your shirt, you might as well use it as a moment to hulk a mania. Because who doesn't want to miss those opportunities in life? And so, so just take clothes off. Throw them in a direction. Jump in the shower. Wash out the primary cracks and crevices. And then get out. That's a quick shower. Wait until your wife's like, I just need a quick shower. She will come in. She will take off her clothes and put them in the hamper. Get into the shower. She has 20 different bottles of something. She will shampoo her hair. She will then condition her hair with a cucumber and grapefruit enhanced with crocus thing. Then she has a special, I'm not lying, she has a special kind of brushy mechanical thing that has a special spinning loofahing feature to get her face then she's got special, and she's got multiple loofahs for multiple purposes. I don't understand. Then she will get out, wrap herself in a, in, a, in a towel, you know, the size, you know, of good Lord who knows. Like this huge towel. And then she's got a separate towel for her head. And then she's got to do makeup. And then it takes her an hour to get dressed. I just need a quick shower. And the reason why I say so, if you're a young husband, you just need to know. That's what that means. And you should just be patient. Because no man has ever won that battle. Can I? You ain't winning that battle. Just let it go. Let it go. Not all battles are worth fighting in life. You're going to lose it. Just let it go. Let them have their hour. You're going to be late. Just deal with it. Where was I going? Um, I got a little worked up there. Had some pinup frustrations I needed to get out. <laughs> My point is, is this not even like English, same language. This is like connection, same language. That that when you have somebody that's so dialed in, you can just you can just give them a head nod, and you're like, I know what you mean. Like I got connection. I just understand. I get you. I know when you say this, you mean this, and when you say this, you mean this. That's the type of language I'm talking. About. It's where you're all on the same page and you're all saying the exact same thing. And the reason why this is important is because every team has a has the nod. Every team has a like a phrase, a slogan, a thing. They all communicate the same way, so that when I say this, you know I exactly want this, need this, mean this, and we can all stay on the same page together. And this is what these people had found. They were all speaking. They were one and had the same language. Notice they put those two things together. They were one and had the same language. They were linking these ideas of they were unified because they were all saying the same thing. And I want you to know this is true of kingdom. Like this is why it's so important for you to go to like a First Connect class. The reason why First Connect is so important is this principle. I want us all saying the same thing. I want us all dialed in, all on the same page, all understanding where we're coming from, where we're going, what we're trying to accomplish. Because it's funny, inside the church, we abandon this. This is why there's 500 different denominations inside of Christianity. Because we wanted to argue semantics and figure out every way that we were different and then focus on that rather than find out where we're the same and focus on that. Find out what unifies us. Find out what compels us to all get on the same page. And so even inside of Christianity, you lose sight of this. And so I just want you to know, like, there's something I want to teach you about the language of God and the language of the kingdom. What I've discovered is that the language of the kingdom is actually faith, hope, and encouragement. This is the language of any kingdom person. It's not doubt, fear, and disbelief. That's the language of the world. 
The world will tell you why you can't, why you shouldn't, why you're not good enough, smart enough. Whatever reason it is, why, why it's bad. That's just not the language of the kingdom. And so I just want you to know, like a part of New Beginnings, I want you to be so legacy-minded, and I want you to have a legacy language that is always hope. Hey, God can do great things in you. Hey, it's okay. You're going to overcome. Hey, you know what? We're believing with you. Hey, we're standing with you. Hey, I want you to know God's with you. Hey, I want, to, I want you to know I'm praying for you. This is the language of the people of the kingdom. It is always forward, hope, faith, and edifying other people. And when we start to do this, man, you start to... You start to get some momentum. You start to get the ball rolling. You start to get faith building. And I even want you to think about this. Like, this is just the language of the kingdom. You know what I want your language to be as, as a part of new beginnings? Our language is legacy. Like, that's the what I want you to think about, talk about, be speaking over your life, over your children, over your church. I want you to speak legacy. Like, I want you to think legacy, talk legacy. We were at the golf course the other day and the guy I was golfing with was like, man, I'm so excited about this legacy stuff. And, and he was like, man, I, I, I'm probably talking your ear off about, you, you probably just want to zone out and play golf. I'm like, no, I love this stuff, man. To hear other people talk legacy and to think legacy, it, it, it means that we're on the right page. We figured something out. And this is what I mean by legacy. It's a living a life that outlives you. I want you to think eternally minded. I want you to think about storing up treasure in heaven. I want you to think about the line and not the dot. I want you to be like, how can I make a difference in the world? I'd hate to die and no one miss me. I'd hate to die and leave this life and leave this planet and had made no difference at all. What a shame. I want you to be all about legacy. And, and here's the other reason why this is so important. When you get people on the same language, all saying the same thing, what you find is this, is that many people saying the same thing is louder than just a bunch of people talking. And this is true of sound waves. This is true like when you measure it. If we were to get a group of people all saying the same thing at the same time, it's louder than just a bunch of people yakking and talking. There's something about the tone and the inflection and the timing and the rhythm and the way that the sound waves reverberate. And there's just something powerful about people all being on the same language saying, hey, look, this is our mission. This is our cause. This is who we are. This is what we're about. This is what God's called us to do. And we're all speaking faith, hope. And encouragement. It's the principle of same language. And no matter what it is, whether it's a marriage team or a family team or a corporate team or whatever it is, the more you dial in your language, the more successful you will become. Principle number two is this. Principle number two is that they had a us mentality. I say us. They said, come let us bake bricks. They said, come let us build a city. They said, come let us make a name for ourselves. Real quick note, just because this is a good little nugget here. They said, let us make a name for ourselves. In just a few chapters, God will show up to a man named Abraham. And God said to Abraham, I will make your name great. The writer put that in there for a reason. In the Tower of Babel, they were saying, hey, we want us to build ourselves a great name. And God then shows up a few chapters later and say, I will make a great You know what the difference is? You always want God promotion instead of self-promotion. Anytime you have self-promotion, it usually has a selfish agenda. You want God promotion over your life. But they were still, even though they were all about the wrong thing, they had the wrong agenda, the wrong motive, the wrong goal, man, they figured out some stuff. And what they figured out was is that we have a us mentality and that if you notice this, no leader is mentioned. No person's name is mentioned. And when they talk, they always talk in the we and in the us. 
And you know what's fascinating is, is that that's the same principle that you find really in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, it's the story of what takes place with the apostles and the disciples right after Jesus leaves earth. And it basically is how they ended up kind of influencing Jerusalem and then spreading out into the surrounding cities and then taking over the Mediterranean rim. And then what you find is, is that within one generation, they had reached the entire known world. What an How did this little band of outcast people made up of tax collectors and fishermen and thrown out theologians, how did these guys take over the world? Well, the Bible says that they had everything in common, that they were of one cord and one of mine. They even started like selling their stuff and saying, let's just make one big pool. And let's just, they believed Jesus was going to come back like, like within like years. And they're like, okay, we got to get this done. He's coming back. We better get going. How many know like, that's like, that's like how you work when you know you're going to take a few days off for vacation. You ever notice how like when vacation day is coming, you're, you're able to all of a sudden get three times as much work done? Just a thought. Um, but they had an us mentality. They said, come let us do all this. Stuff. I just want you to know like that is a great team. It, it's not about individuals. It's not about egos. It's not about who gets credit. It's not about who gets whatever. It, it has nothing. It's just an us Mentality. As a matter of fact, I want you to see this not only in the book of Acts. When Jesus teaches the disciples how to pray, he gives them a model prayer for which all other prayers can be modeled after. And when you listen to that prayer, I want you to hear the fact that there never is an I or a me in the whole prayer. As a matter of fact, it begins with the phrase, our Father. Everybody say our. That's us. Meaning like Jesus is saying, I always want you to think prayer as a team, as a group, as a collective. So I want you to think our father. That's not my father. That's our father. And then he said, when, when you pray for your daily bread, don't pray God give me daily. He said, pray, give us our daily bread. Like you got sin. And you should probably confess and ask for forgiveness. But it doesn't say forgive me of my sin. It actually says forgive us. And then, then he's talking about temptation. And there's temptation all around. But he says, don't even lead me not into temptation. He said, lead us. Not the, the power of prayer is magnified by other people. Like, check this out, Matthew chapter 18, look at this. The Bible says, again, I tell you, that if two, everybody say two. That's a small team, but it's a team. Um, again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. And so he was saying that, like, there's a team aspect, a group aspect, a collective aspect that empowers your prayers. Meaning like, you should never be praying for something that you're really trying to do and accomplish. You should never be praying that completely solo. You should be, hey, can you please pray for me? Hey, will you join together with me? Hey, can you believe God with me together? Like, we should always be unifying our prayers. And then he goes on to say this, for where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. So God was even not even saying like, look, I'll enhance the prayer capacity in a team dynamic, you'll even see my presence in a stronger place when you see this group dynamic. There's just something about the power of collective faith and fellowship that just attracts the presence of God. And so this is the idea that you need a us mentality. Remember, y'all remember the movie Backdraft? This is like an old school fireman movie, and it was, it was awesome. You know what I'm talking about? Like, and they had this thing in there, and, and, and you go, we go. 
And, and by the end of the movie, you know, like, it's got to be epic and over the top. And so, like, there's a fire blazing everywhere, and the guy's holding him. By, and he's like, just let me go. Save yourself. And he goes, no, you go. We go. You know, it's got to, it's Kurt Russell when he was still a young, still a young man. Still a spring chicken. And, and, and it's just this idea that no matter what you go through, we go through it together. And we'll share those enjoyments and, and we'll share those burdens. Like we'll, we'll do it all together. We are all in for each other. When you succeed, I don't get jealous. When you succeed, I celebrate because your success is my success. But it is so true. It's so easy in a church. Like all of a sudden, it's like, it's not us. We get judgy. We're like, oh my God. And we get, we get mean spirited or we get kind of odd or somebody falls and we kick them while they're down. It's like, whoa, where in the world? And so the enemy just knows that, you know what? If I can divide their language through 300 denominations and get them just, well, we think this and we think, well, who cares what you think? So, and if, and if I can get them to think about themselves as individuals instead of a collective, I know, because this is, think about what God did. What did God do to disband this incredible team that was building the Tower of Babel? He said, I will come down there. And I will divide them. I will separate their language. Because when I start focusing on everything that makes us different, they can never succeed in life. And so that's that us mentality. Guess what else? Like, like, like check this scripture out. The Bible says, we read this scripture a few weeks ago, but Ephesians 3.20 says this. It says, now unto him, that's a capital H, that's God. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we may ask or think according to the power that works in us. So like God wants to do powerful things, not through you, through us. I'm, I'm telling you what, this is so true of every arena of life that God wants to unify people. And watch, last principle is this. The third and final principle is simply this. It is the unity of purpose. The, the, so, so the Bible says when it described them, it says they were all one and had one language. They said, come, let us build, let us make, let us do, let us do whatever. But then at the very end, God says these words. It says, nothing that they purpose to do will be withheld from them. Nothing that they purpose to do will be withheld from them. I want you to know, like, there needs to be, not everybody just on the same page, that's important, that's good. People thinking of themselves as a collective more than as individuals, that's really, really good. We see this in the great sport teams, don't we? Like, everybody hates the Patriots, but the reality is they all take pay cuts so they can all stay on the same team together. It's crazy. Tom Brady's the, probably the greatest quarterback in history, takes a pay cut so he can keep all his team together. Like, that's just like a us mentality. When you think about the, the, the great sports teams or the great corporate teams or the great accomplishing creative teams of this world, they all have this idea of being on the same page, of self-sacrifice, of surrendering the good of the individual for the good of the whole. But at the end of the day, they all had to have the same exact Goal and purpose in life. Now, these people's goal was idolatry. <laughs> these people's goal is to build a big tower and be, be kind of idolatrous. But I want you to see that, again, the early church had adopted these same exact principles. They were all saying the same thing. They were all unified together, and they all had the same purpose in mind. Watch this real quick. John chapter 17. John chapter 17. Jesus is talking to his heavenly Father and listen closely to what he says. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message. Meaning I'm playing, praying for like people in the future. People that are out there that will be saved because of what these disciples do. So, that all of them may be one father just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in, everybody say us. 
I love this idea because like, even in the Tower of Babel, God said, let, because they were talking about, well, let us build, let us make, let us. If you read the next chapter, you know, he says, let us go down there. Jesus, you're not even rolling solo. If they can be unified, we're going unified too. Let us. Go. So if you didn't believe in a trinity, you got to make sense of that scripture. Because who's us? Did God have a frog in his pocket? I don't know. That's where you get this idea of God is one and three and trinity. And so he said, let us go down there to confuse their language and to break up what they're doing. So God said, y'all want to be a team? My team is better than your team. And so they're talking about this us idea again. So Father, just as uh, uh, you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us that the world may believe, again, there's purpose, that the world may believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, may they be brought into complete unity. All you hear is oneness and in usness and unity this and all this stuff. And here's the kicker right here. May they be brought into complete unity to let the world know. So that. This is the purpose, this is the goal, this is the reason. If you are unified, if you have this us mentality, if you're all on the same page, that's great. But if you're not legacy-minded, you may have missed the point. You might win a Super Bowl, you will not affect eternity. He said, so that the world may know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. And here's this idea. It's this is purpose. Like, I want you to know, like, God has brought all of us together, changed our lives, turned things around, created testimonies, touched hearts and lives, not so that we could sit around and high-five one another, but hey, you get to go to heaven, and I get to go to heaven. Woo! What a waste. If the whole point of you knowing God was to get you to heaven, then he should have killed you the moment you got saved. Because then you wouldn't make any more mistakes or get caught up in any dumb temptation. Or He should have just sucked you right up out of here and you're like, you did it. You're right. God did not save you so that you alone could partake in the goodness and the grace and the wonder and the beauty of who God is. It's that God wanted to use you. That's why the Bible or Paul says it like this. He goes, God saved and redeemed you so that you could be ministers of that same redemption. You would be ministers of reconciliation. Reconciling the whole world back to God because God was not going to hold their sins against them any longer. That's what, you were, that's what you were saved for. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's some incredible individual benefits. We all get to go to heaven. We all get to be forgiven. But God wanted to use you to do something of eternal consequence, to do something that would have an eternal legacy. This is what God wants to do in you and through us all. So this is our purpose. If you ever wondered, like our purpose is really easy. It's connecting people to Jesus. That was our, our just simple way of saying it. Hey, what are you about as a church? We're about connecting people to Jesus. John said it like, so that the world may know. I mean, there's a, a bunch of different ways of saying the same thing, but connecting people to Christ, that is our mission so guess what? When you go to work tomorrow morning, I know you got a J-O-B and you got a nine to five and you got things to do and you might have a, t but I want you to know at the end of the day, you have a greater cause or greater mission that supersedes your daily agenda. And it's this, it's to connect people to Christ. Your job is a means to an end. It's just something you're doing as a vehicle to connect to other people so that you can help connect them to Jesus.
That's it. And as a church, you know what we do on Sunday morning is we become a collective. We become a group. We become something that unifies together for that same reason. So your goal and your role and your mission is not to roll up in here on Sunday morning and soak it all in and then to go right back out into the world. Your whole mission is to partner with everything that we do so that you can help other people connect to Jesus. In the same way that you don't like going to the movie theater by yourself, you shouldn't go to church by yourself. You should always be thinking about, you know what, who can I invite to church? Who can I share my life with? Who can I pray for? Who can I share my testimony with? How can I help other people connect to Jesus as an individual and as a, as a team? So in light of that, this leads me to a few questions that we're going to close. Number one is this. The first question I have for you is simple. Who's on your team? Because you have a team, Right? Like, I know you got like a family team and a marriage team and you got, you got friend, that's, that's your team. I want you to think about your team. Because what I know to be true through life and through scripture is this. Is that the quality and direction of your life is determined by the people closest to you. Let me say that again. The quality and direction of your life is determined by the people closest to you. So who's on your team? Like who's on team Todd? You know what I mean? Who's, who's on team Todd? That's around me? Helping me, believing me, praying for wh- whose team am I on that I'm doing the same for them? Like, I want you to know, like, you got like a, 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 a little team around you. I want you to know you better stack that team with some incredible people. I always tell you this if you're the smartest person you know, you're in trouble. <laughs> right? You could say it even meaner. You could say, if you're the smartest person you know, you're kind of dumb. You need smart people around you. Wise. Hey, if you're the person that is the most spiritually passionate, if you're the most spiritually passionate person, you, you need to get more friends. You need to get some other people that will inspire your faith. You need other people around you that lift you up, that help you out, that draw you. When you think about who's on your team, are they drawing you closer to God or pulling you further away? Are they pushing you into your destiny? Or are they speaking the language of the world where they tell you why you can't and why you're not good enough and why there's fear and doubt and disbelief? Who's, who's on your team? It just, it just matters. I want you to know this team legacy thing is, is so far beyond our church in this exact moment. This is a life principle that you will absolutely accomplish more. A team legacy will always be greater than an individual legacy. If that's true, then who's on your team? Next question. Will you join this team? I don't mean like get on. Like fully push the chips to the middle. I'm all in. I'm in. Because that's what we need as a church. We don't need people in the bleachers who are bystanders watching what we do. We need people who jump on the field and play the game. Who suit up and say, I'll believe with you, pastor. I'll pray with you, pastor. I'll give towards that. I'll serve here. I'll get involved. I'll do my part. I'll give of my talents and resources and times and ability. I'll, I'll do that. Because here's the deal. Newbie, team New Beginnings, Team Newbie, Hey, look, we're just like any other, we're, we're looking for great people. We're looking for people who have an us mentality. We're looking for people who will get in here and start speaking the same thing and all moving towards that same direction of helping other people know Jesus. Because I think it's a crime for me to have discovered the love and grace of God and then not share it with somebody else. Will you, will you please join this team with all your heart and with all your mind and say, I'm in. I'm in for legacy I'm in for the campaign. I'm in for the future. I'm in for Todd, wherever. I love people like, like 
What you don't know is that there are people who've come to me like over time and, and I don't even know if they know what they're saying at the time, but what they come and they say, Pastor, whatever you need, you just let me know. I'll do anything you need me to do. It's like giving me a blank check. Be careful. But the people that do that are actually the people that make the biggest difference. Because they say, hey, I don't have an agenda. I don't need a title. I don't need individual credit. I just want to give. I just want to go. I just want to do whatever you need. I am all in. And so will you, will you consider not watching, but participating and being on this team at a level that we're talking about? Because again, a team legacy will always be greater than an individual legacy. A group of people saying the same thing will always be louder than just people talking. The, 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 I'll, I'll close with this. The, the place I really... I used to be a person that would go to like sports games and concerts and be like too cool for school. You know what I'm talking about? Because you know, when you, if you go to a concert, there's always that one, that one guy or that one girl that had a few too many drinks and they're just crazy and wild. and they're just. Or you go to that one sports games and there's that loud, heckling, yelling... Is anybody else like that? Just, you just like to yell and be like, yeah. We went, we went to a game together. And I, tot- I totally got in. I had a towel. I made it an ascot for a while because it was cold, but then I brought it back out again. Ascot. Um, I have a picture of that, by the way. But I, 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 the, the reason why I'm so in on teams is because I learned, I learned this powerful principle. It, it's, it's this principle of collective noise. It's this idea that like, What makes a stadium erupt, what makes a concert erupt, what makes something blast and take off and explode is the level of power and enthusiasm that's given not by any one individual, but by when the collective all buys in. As a matter of fact, I want you to do this with me. Everybody stand up on your feet real quick. We're going to close with this right here. Because what I learned was, because I remember being at a baseball game with my buddy Aaron, and he was heckling and yelling, and I'm being cool and being smooth, and he was like, dude, you got to get in. We need you. And I'm like, dude, you're tripping. He goes, no, no, we need you. This is, about, this is about the whole stadium. This is a collective thing. And I'm like, man, what? He goes, trust me, just, just watch. And then this is what he showed me is that we were in this massive group of people in a stadium. And when, when something like happened, like a home run or a hit or a run was scored, we're like, wow! And everything, every, everything erupts. It's because there's a collective noise. Because if just one person is involved, it's pretty lame. Like, like, watch this. Like, babe, start clapping your hands real quick. That's so lame. No, keep going. No, 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 no. no. Don't you bail her out. You can have an us mentality in a minute. But watch this. Like, like now you start clapping with her. Y'all, y'all are like clapping in unison. That's mother and son right there. Now they're switched. Now you start clapping. That means this is a terrible sermon, right? That's all I get is this, right? Like now, watch this, now you go. Now you start to feel a little bit, don't you? Like like Tom and Leticia. Now right here. And then watch, watch the third row now. Like, like give me a real clap though. Like. And then now the fourth row, watch this. It's starting to build and there's just four, it's just four rows. Y'all ain't doing nothing. And you see four rows begin to build energy and electricity. And then the fifth row. And then like the sixth row. And then the seventh row. And then you start taking it all the way back. And then you start letting, like y'all start joining in up here on the front. 
Do you hear it? It's a collective. One person is lame. Me by myself is lame. But when you unify, when you join your voices together, when you let something build and move and erupt and you begin to link your energy, everybody stop. That's the power of, of a team. And the team legacy is always greater than an individual legacy. Will you please join this team? Will you join me in this like big grand dream to like buy a building to where we can set up the church for generations to come? Will you buy into this team that says, hey, we want to see other people come to know Jesus and I want to get to heaven one day and then have somebody come up and say, hey, look, I'm here today because of what you did so many years ago. I want to be a part of so many different stories and so many different testimonies. I want to dunk a whole bunch of people in water. I want to dedicate a whole bunch of babies. I want to do this because we want to connect everyone that we possibly can to Jesus, and that is the mission and the goal that he's given us, and it is the greatest goal because it is the only goal that has absolutely eternal ramifications. It's awesome. Will you please join this team? Everybody bow your head and close your eyes with me today. Father, I pray that God, that we as a church, as a community of faith, as a group of brothers and sisters in Christ, God, May we all begin to speak the language of legacy, of faith and of hope and of encouragement, God. God, we'll speak things that aren't even there yet, but God, we'll keep speaking them so that you can bring them into existence. God, help us to be unified. God, help us to see each other as connected like a body and a family. God, help us to see that when they succeed, I succeed. God, when they're hurting, I'm hurting. And may we all lift each other up to a higher place. God, may we get focused on a big picture, on a dream that is bigger than us, a dream that is bigger than any one individual. God, help us to be so mission-minded, Lord. And in doing so, may we live a legacy, not in our own names, but in the name of Jesus. And it is in that holy name that we pray. And we all said, amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap this morning? Come on, give me, give me a big one. Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.